Up next on NHL Fantasy on Ice. He's out of hiding. The goalie master pops on the pod. Contrarian strategies to win your league down the stretch. Plus, DFS plays and hits for Friday and Saturday. It's NHL Fantasy on Ice. Fantasy Hockey Talk here on this Friday morning. Pete and Rob back with you, and we have the goalie master, Dave Satriano, back in the house. What's up, Dave? Great to be here, guys. I love it. Too hard to get a hold of you. You're too exclusive for us. Uh, that's all right. I'm here now. Let's go. Let's get rolling. <laughs> Got so much to get to on the goalie front. A lot of hot debate throughout the show. We did the goalie rankings yesterday, but I think the team we have to start with is the Boston Bruins after an amazing last minute come from behind win at home against the Florida Panthers. This team's got an 18 game point streak rolling. Probably going to make it 19 on Saturday, Rob. Maybe 19 Saturday. I saw the picture of Charlie McAvoy hugging Chara. Really legendary stuff and Marshan kind of looking a little small and left out behind the picture. Classic stuff there, but I think this time of year, Pete, I know that we have Charlie McAvoy on our team. He had two assists last night. This guy's value for the rest of the season is right up there among the best. I agree, and I think David Krejci is one of the unsung heroes during this streak. I mean, he's got now, I think, 15 points in the past 11 games, and he has been providing the secondary scoring regardless of who's been healthy because now DeBrusque uh, was out of the lineup. Johansson's out of the lineup. This guy has made all the difference, Dave, over this stretch. It's true. Not only that, but if you look at who they have in net, no matter who you start there, whether it's Rask or Halak, Rask 18 games in a row with the point. Halak's the best goalie backup goalie in my mind. So I think if you have either of those guys down the stretch, you're in some pretty good, pretty good condition, pretty good shape. And I know earlier in the year we were saying Halak might get somewhere around 20 starts max. I mean, this yeah, guy was a has little been, off. He's been the real deal. He has a 9.24 save percentage. The split is much more even than you might think, even though Tuka Rask is number two among our goalie rankings. I, I would feel good about this guy in the playoffs, too. If it came down to them having to start Halak, I really wouldn't think much differently than the Boston Bruins, Dave. But he's not a typical backup goalie either because he's been a starter a lot, and he has that experience. And like you said, if Rask gets hurt or something or they just he plays poorly, I would feel comfortable, too, in a seven-game series with that guy. And also the past 10, 11 games, they've been without David Pasternak. I was looking. Pasternak, if he comes back for the past next few games or even for the final week or two of the season realistic chance to hit 70 points and Krejci is on pace for 70 points Bergeron's on pace for 70 plus even though he missed significant time and Brad Marchand as well continuing to prove he's an elite top 10 overall fantasy player year to year I think nine points in his past five games two games of at least three points in that span too so he's killing it in fantasy right now DFS and season long owners are rejoicing about that and another guy who's been chipping in assists, Danton Heinen. He's only 11% owned. And Krejci, I mentioned, only 38% owned. Sometimes those center-only guys slip through the cracks. I know there's Krejci out there. There's Dylan Strom out there, Joe Thornton. These are guys that you need to add in your season-long formats. Yeah, and also it's kind of what you said about Pasternak. When he comes back, you know, do they put him on the top line where he's accustomed to playing, or do they even want to mess that up because they've lost no games in regulation since he's been out? So that's going to be tough to see what they do with the lines when he comes back. Yeah, imagine when they have Pasternak back, uh, Johansson back, DeBrusque back. I mean, to me, my biggest takeaway from this streak is that I don't know if any team out there can beat the Tampa Bay Lightning in a seven-game series, but my best bet 
to beat them will be the team that's probably going to play them in the second round, the Boston Bruins. I think four or five teams can beat the Lightning. I honestly think there's something wrong with that team come playoff time. They're not built for playoff hockey. It's, it's the teams like the Winnipeg Jets, the Nashville Predators, the Washington Capitals, the Pittsburgh Penguins. They play playoff hockey. The Tampa Bay Lightning do not. I mean, they could get to the third round, but I think they'll get smoked by whoever comes out of the Metro. I just think they play a better style, and my money in DFS and season long is not on the Lightning. I love what they've done this season. You can't take anything away from Vassy, who's already going to be he's going to be another 40-game winner this season, Dave, and Louis Domingue, who wins basically every single start that he goes out there. But this team is not built to win in the Stanley Cup playoffs. Mark me down right now. I have not been off the mark about many things in my NHL career, <laughs> and this is another thing that is going to come right this year. And they make if they make it to the Western Conference Finals, they are going to get blown out of the water versus a team like the Sharks. It, you know, the only team I think they could take in the Western Conference would be the Flames, who do not have a goalie. Well, I don't think the Flames are making the cup final, but that's besides the point. What's your take on the Lightning versus the Bruins uh, moving forward, Dave? My take is that, Rob, you're extremely wrong on this take. How can you say the Lightning aren't a playoff-built team? The last three times they've made the playoffs, they've made at least the Eastern Conference final, including the cup final once. They were a goal, a game away last year. I mean, yes, I agree with you, Pete. It'll be tough playing the Bruins or Tampa or Toronto in the second round, but I think the Lightning will get there this year. There's, there's, there's really no team that I think can beat them. Interesting. The Minnesota Wild beat them, though, on Thursday night. That was a bit of a stinker for the Lightning at home. Uh, this is the stuff I'm talking about, Dave. When the games matter big, you playoff clinch spot. I mean, I know they're only 30 points ahead in the in the Atlantic. I wouldn't but really no. say it mattered. but <laughs> No, you know. nonetheless, I'm just being sarcastic. But nonetheless, I do. I, turning it back to the Lightning here, there is something about that team every single season that they come up short. Stammer dries up in the playoffs. He can't produce on the power play in the playoffs. They choke. They clutch the sticks. I mean, there is something off in the water down there. And honestly, we're going to see it yet again this season when Toronto smokes them in the second round or Boston, whatever it is. Don't come crying back to me, Dave. Don't say, oh, Rob, you were right. <laughs> Once again, Notre Dame, like, don't come over here. I don't want to hear anything about it. And when they win one series, don't also tell me, oh, the Lightning won a series. They're probably going to get out of the first round because they're going to play Carolina or if Montreal finds any way to score in the next couple months here, they'll play them and it'll be a four-game sweep. They'll be waiting around to the second round. They'll be tired. They'll be lazy. And the team that plays them in the second round is going to come out with energy and they are going to run them out of the rink down 0-2 in the series, going back home, either Boston or Toronto, Mark it down right now. Call Vegas up, Dave. Get your money there. And then take me out to lunch the next day when they get eliminated in the second round. <laughs> One thing that's ridiculous, though, when you look at the standings, the 18-game point streak for the Bruins. they have I know you mentioned it the other day. The Bruins have made up almost no ground in the standings. Still 15 points behind the Lightning. So yesterday was the first day during the entire streak that they actually gained any ground on them because they lost, Tampa lost in regulation. But if you go 14-0-4 and, and you're gaining zero points, that shows you how good the Lightning have been the entire season. And these teams have split the the season long matchup so far they have two more games to go before the end of the season so maybe we'll get a glimpse of that potential second round playoff series but we mentioned the minnesota wild who smoked the lightning in their own building on thursday how hot has this line been with Eric Stahl, Jason Zucker, and Ryan Donato lately? That Donato trade was one of the best of the deadline. It is panning out so well for them. And yeah, the chemistry he's formed with Jason Zucker, 
last night, some of those plays that they were setting up with Eric Stahl were things of beauty. I really believe in this wild team, and I think if Matt Dumba finds a way to get back in the lineup here down the stretch, that team's for sure in the playoffs. That was smooth as silk, that little backdoor, uh, backdrop pass mm -hmm. uh, from Donato to Zucker for that, for that nice goal. And these guys are having multi-point games. Stahl's one of the hottest players in the league over his past eight games. I think he has 10 points. And then, yeah, Donato, tri-eligible. He's only like 25% owned. Pick this guy up. He's playing with these guys on the power play and at even strength. Yeah, I don't think this was a move that they thought was going to have this effect right away. But like you said, you know, when they moved Coyle for him, I mean, he's nine points in eight games. He's done everything they could have asked for and more. So I think, yeah, this is a guy you need in your lineup down the stretch. And from a goalie standpoint, Devin Dubnik looks as hot as anybody right now, as dominant as anybody, and he has been over the past two or three seasons, right? In terms of workhorse goalies, not many have been better than him. Yeah, he's been a guy that's always a top 10 guy, but this season he kind of tailed off, and you're wondering, well, what, what's going to happen here? How is he going to progress as the season goes on? But when they need him to play well in this stretch, and they have, he's come up huge. He's got to be a top 10 G rest of the season, right? Uh, yeah, I would put him right now, as, right now at number 10. We'll see, you know. And Minnesota, that win for them was huge because Dallas also won last night. Ben Bishop, two straight shutouts, big stuff coming out of the Big D. But the Wild, now they have a little bit of a safety net over the Colorado Avalanche because they lost. That team looks completely shot, the Avs. So I don't think that there's going to be much competition except for the Arizona Coyotes that could push the Wild or could, if they really get hot, could push the Stars too for that wild card spot. Yeah, we'll see. A lot of those teams, those fringe teams in the West have flaws. We have seen a nice little... Spark here, though, from Dallas, who's won four in a row. Radulov got benched because he was late to practice or whatever, came back, scored his first NHL hat trick. Jamie Benn has been rolling. We've been in his corner all year, and he's uh, delivering here down the stretch as expected. So that's really nice to see. But, yeah, though, some of those teams are just absolutely shot. I know that things change week to week, all season long. But to me, the Sabres, the Avalanche, these teams are flawed. And, of course, Buffalo is in a worse spot because they're in the tougher east. But even the Avalanche, I think, are shot. I think the Coyotes have a better chance of making it than them. And what about the Edmonton Oilers, Dave? From a fantasy perspective, I was going off about Miko Koskinen yesterday saying everybody has to pick this guy up because of the schedule. I know you're a big schedule player, too, in fantasy. When it comes down to this stretch of year, you've got to figure out your playoff matchups. And one of the best ways to pick up a player is to go from a team that has a favorable schedule. Get this. Edmonton Oilers, 15 games left, 9 home, 6 on the road, opponent combined winning percentage 538 so they've got games next week they have against new jersey uh the new york rangers i think ottawa goes out there would you pick up miko koskin or is that totally out of left field no i totally agree with you there that that's what you have to do you have to look at the schedule because i was looking at the same thing and i think the second to last week of the season which usually is championship matchups the Sabres play the Devils, Detroit, Ottawa, three and four nights, and they have five games that week, and no one has either of the Buffalo goalies right now, so that's a play that I'm looking at, especially with the schedule down the stretch. So I agree with you. This is the time you got to look at the matchups because that's a key part of winning. But Koskinen's way better right now than Olmark or Hutton. Like I, I just have, I'm so jaded with those guys over the full season. Like in big games, they find a way to win, but in like average games against these, these easy teams to beat, they seem to drop the ball and allow four or five goals. And what's the value of a timeshare goalie tandem at this point in the season? Really? I mean, on Koskinen's train, you, you have a sure starter. There's mm -hmm. no one else in that picture. He has four shutouts on the season. Mm -hmm. He got 
extended. This is his team. They're on their best stretch of the season, four-game winning streak. I would be more likely to lean Koskinen either than one of those fringe Flames goalies mm-hmm. that have gone off the rails over the past couple of weeks. Yeah, I mean, the only real tandem besides Buffalo that is even worth considering now would be Carolina with McElhinney and Marazic. But the problem there is they alternate starts the past 10. I think they've each done one and one. But the problem there is they have the most brutal schedule down the stretch. I mean, they have nine of their next 11, Washington, Winnipeg, Nashville, Minnesota, Tampa, Pittsburgh, like, they just Tampa twice. I mean, if you, I wouldn't want any goalie in either of those <laughs> matchups. So that's something I'd be aware of down the stretch too. And what's funny about that is just last program, we were speaking about how high we are on the hurricanes. And then a couple games go by their schedule flips. It gets harder. They have to win all these crazy games at the end of the season. And now we're kind of shying away from the hurricanes. Like we were talking about Michael Furland earlier this morning, Pete, and we were kind of like, uh, not really sure about this guy anymore. We can drop him out and get some new names in here. It's just so interesting to me how, like one or two games can really flip the switch on perspective at this time of the season. One thing, though, with the with the Hurricanes goaltending, I do trust Peter Morazic. I liked him as a sneaky goalie at the start of the season, uh, just based on his upside and his past track record. Guy's been good in the playoffs before from when he was with the Red Wings. I think that Peter Morazic has the higher ceiling. I would pick him up. He's the guy in that 21 to 25 range of our goalie rankings that I would trust, even even with the strength of schedule being third most difficult in the league behind the Capitals and the Detroit Red Wings. I think Peter Morazic has a very high ceiling the rest of the way. I think the Hurricanes have proven that they're a playoff team. Yeah, it's just tough because one bad start can pretty much ruin your whole matchup, you know, all the goalie categories. So you just got to be careful with, uh, with who you start and when. Of course, and we learned the lesson with Brian Elliott. I mean, you could have a hot goalie. Don't start him against the Washington Capitals. Don't start him against the Tampa Bay Lightning on the road. I mean, let's get smart here. Don't, I don't care how hot a guy is. Don't throw him out there into the fire. If he's on a five-game winning streak, it's eventually going to well, end. And on that point, too, it's like look at these great teams like the Caps or the Leafs right now. I know that Mike Babcock yesterday, Dave, said expect Garrett Starks to get more Garrett Sparks to get more starts down the stretch. Where are we on these backups like Sparks, like Louis Domingue from the Lightning that could actually make a difference in your fantasy playoff matchups? Well, the thing about that is you really need to check this out because, like you said, as we get closer to the actual NHL playoffs, teams are going to start, you know, guys are going to either have time off or be benched. And a guy like Saros and even Aaron Dell or, you know, even Malcolm Subban may get some starts because Vegas, what do they have to play for? They're pretty much locked into, you know, second or third, whatever. They're not winning the division. So you got to be really careful. And I would say also don't be afraid to drop some big name guys to get someone like a backup goalie if you know that person, that player is going to help you because it's all about winning now you know don't worry about oh you know this guy I want him to have a championship ring so he's going to sit on my bench because of what he did all season no they get nothing it doesn't matter you can drop that guy you need a backup goalie you get him Jake Allen or Jordan Bennington rest of season Uh, I would have to go with Jordan Bennington just because they seem to put him in the bigger games even though Allen had a shutout yesterday I mean the Blues have six shutouts in 16 games so that's a tough one they're probably going to split down the stretch but I would lean towards Bennington and I saw they have nine shutouts on the season with uh, five for Bennington, three for Jake Allen, 
And I think one from Chad, Chad Johnson, Johnson one, before yeah. he was <laughs> traded. So, yeah, the Blues are rolling right now. I have a lot of confidence in that team. I would go as far to say as they will win their first-round matchup regardless of who they play, whether they're the second seed leading the division, which is still feasible, only five points back of the Nashville Predators for top in the Central, or if they're the third seed, I think they could pull the upset against the Jets or the Predators. So I'll go that bold route there. I like that take, Pete, and I think I'm in the minority on this one, but I really believe if Jake Allen keeps winning games here in a decisive fashion down the stretch, that there's a chance, I think they will confirm Bennington as like the round one, game one starter, but if he falters early, I can I can kind of see them going back to Jake Allen in almost like a panic move, and what a story that would be. After the way this guy started the year, everybody in fantasy was so out on this guy, picked up Bennington, never looked back. Now, over the last two weeks here, we could see that totally reverse, and come round one, game two in the playoffs, we could see Jake Allen in the starters net. That's a great point, because remember a couple of years ago, that was one of the Same. most dominant individual efforts by a goalie that I could remember when Jake Allen stole that series the from Wild. the Minnesota mm -hmm. Wild. So he, uh, you could trash him all you want in terms of his fantasy value. He does have high upside for the playoffs, I think, in any given series. Well, it seems that he plays a lot better when there's competition, when he's been the outright starter for whatever reason. But you know, when, he was, when he was competing with uh, Halak or uh, Brian Elliott even, you know, when he's competing with a guy, he plays well. So this has been good for him. Um, and I actually agree with you, Pete. I've said for a few weeks now, I think the Blues are going to win the division. Their schedule is just cake the rest of the way. Um, but besides the goalies, no, a player, no one's talking about how about Alex Petrangelo he's got four goals in six games I mean I don't know where he is on the defenseman rankings but you know he has not had a good season at all and he's just kind of picked it up and the guy no one's really been talking about about a month and a half ago he was outside the top 35 now keep in mind preseason he was top 15 now he's right back top 20 among the best and I think he is hands down easily runaway favorite streaming option for the fantasy playoffs. If you've got this guy, I mean, you, you're you you're so set because on Tarasenko's goals, he's getting assists. On Shen's goals, if Shen stays healthy, this team is going to be a force to be reckoned with. And on Shen's goals, Petrangelo's on the box where it doesn't even matter what line. He's playing so many minutes that if the third line, if Bozak scores, Petrangelo's picking up assists, it's unreal, this stuff. And I'm, I've been big on Braden Shen ever since he got that left wing eligibility, came back, you know, that line was slumping a little bit with... O'Reilly and Tarasenko for the six games that he missed. But Shen comes back, back-to-back multi-point games, and all of a sudden we view this team uh, just like how we viewed them a few uh, a few weeks ago before his injury. Mm -hmm. And preseason, we had them ranked highly, too. We had such a high ceiling for this team coming into the year. So it's nice that these trends sort of shake out by the end of the year. You do have to be patient. You're going to get some great hairs along the way. But if you ride the wave long enough, you're going to reap the rewards. I saw a stat that I think it was late December, the Blues were tied with the Ottawa Senators for the seller of the NHL wow. standings. And now we're talking about how they could win one of the most competitive divisions in the NHL. How crazy is that? Yeah, things are just flipped, like with uh, Buffalo and Colorado, how good they were three months ago, and now you know neither is going to make the playoffs, so... It's like when they were talking Joel Quenville should go sign in St. Louis and everyone was so disappointed. Oh, Craig Berube was hired. Guy's going to be making a multi-million dollar deal in the offseason for them. He's going to be a coach of the year candidate. I think he has to be. 
So we have an injury update here. Kyle Palmieri was practicing today. It looks like he could be in the lineup against the Washington Capitals on Friday. I saw his price in FanDuel, Pete. I think it's a little too high. Anything over six grand for me for a player that hasn't played in a little bit. That had a, They believed it was a serious injury at the time. He's coming back a little early. They don't have any other forwards in the lineup. Fantasy relevant forwards in the lineup, right? <laughs> so, I mean, it's not like they're rolling all D tonight. But 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 nonetheless, like Kyle Palmieri's price against the Caps, they're starting Holpe. I just can't imagine opening up the wallet for this Devils team unless I'm taking a complete flyer on a, like a, a third-line guy like Blake Coleman that has been producing a little here and there. I'm not interested in Paul Mary in terms of DFS value. That said, for season-long leagues, the guy is a goal scorer. He produces on the power play. Even if he's playing with Travis Zajac for the rest of the season, I trust him. Uh, when we get confirmation that he's coming back, we'll slot him right back into the top 150 overall in our rankings. And we did just update those rankings, we should say, NHL.com slash fantasy. The top 200 has been updated uh, for all your playoff matchups. You have Zajac and Palmieri together. It's a good combo. Like you said, the Devils have no one else. They're playing guys from Binghamton. I think they're playing guys from the ECHL. Mm. Their Binghamton guys are even hurt too. So <laughs> that's a tough one with Palmieri at the price, but you think someone would have to score, and if anyone's going to do it on the team, it's going to be him. And how are we feeling about Tom Wilson, your favorite player, Dave? You have a 43 jersey on the back of your desk chair. You text me all the time. You love this guy's love physicality. Tommy. Love it. Favorite player in the league. Now, I saw this player, Tom Wilson, has more five-on-five goals this season than Miko Rantanen, than Blake Wheeler, than high-end guys. Are you taking a shot on this guy tonight against the Devils who are depleted? I'm taking a shot on him because not only are the Devils depleted, but – not only is he going to score goals, he'll rack up the penalty minutes. You know, with who the Devils have out there, he's going to get physical. And can you imagine what his numbers would have been like if he wasn't suspended for 18, whatever it was, the suspension? His numbers, his career numbers already, but they, they would be off the charts. Give me the 30-30 club. He would. How about those power forwards on elite lines? I mean, one guy that we didn't get a chance to mention when we were talking Oilers, Zach Cassian, four straight <laughs> mm. games with a goal, and he's playing with McDavid and Drysaddle. Is this a guy that you take seriously? Kind of that similar build, kind of just a total wrecking ball on the line with McDavid and Drysaddle. Ken Hitchcock found the secret sauce. The Edmonton Oilers, the recipe there, it's working out. It's tasting pretty good out there. Zach Cassian, four straight goals, four straight games with a goal. And Leon Drysaddle and Connor McDavid are going to be in the 100-plus point club this season. So, yeah, I mean, right now, if this thing sticks, and I think Pete, too, like, we look back early in the season when Drake Kajula was there, uh, when Alex Chason was there, like Chaser, like, like those guys, I don't think they can skate with McDavid and Drysaddle. But Cassian, his physicality, his edge, I really do think that he'll stick there. And this could be the player that next season when we're drafting, like this might be the guy we're taking the later rounds. I mean, like I'm stashing Zach Cassian and seeing what happens here. And he has like 150 plus hits. So he's totally, and I think he has 12 goals on the season. Career high is 14 from many years back. But this is a guy that had talent earlier in his career, kind of shaped up to be more of a bottom six forward for most of his career. Play, has played a lot in the AHL over the past couple of years. But showing that renewed upside, and that's a great spot. If he, if that's the chemistry and that is the, the formula, it could, it could stick beyond this year. You were talking about Peter Mrazek earlier, Dave. They're playing the Winnipeg Jets tonight. Is that a game you'd take a flyer out in Mrazek in or a total pass there because it's the Jets? You know, usually I would say no way, stay away from him. But the Jets, I think they've only won like 5 of 14 games. They're allowing way too many goals. Hellebuck, who was the Vezina finalist last year's not been playing well at all. Um, and I just think that Liney's not even scoring. So I think that this would actually be a case where I'd say, you know what? 
it's it's worth throwing him in. Carolina's playing really great. Winnipeg's not. You know, you go with those trends and. Okay, what if Brassois starting? Because I saw I saw he might be starting that game. Now are you feeling differently? I'm not feeling differently just because, like I said, Carolina's on this amazing run right now. They're playing well, and the Jets just, you know, they just something's wrong up they there. They have nothing so, to play for. Yeah, they're you know, they know they're one, two, or three, whatever they are. They're locked in. Carolina needs any po- every point they can get, and I think uh, I think they'll win tonight. Actually, I'm down on the Jets. I got the Hurricanes in this game. I like the medal that they showed in the game against the Bruins earlier in the week. Took them the distance in that game, uh, barely lost. So I'm on the Hurricanes. I'm on Morazic if he starts. I think that other than that Jets top line, which is still line A. Shifley Wheeler if Sebastian Ajo can lock down on them or Jordan Stahl good two-way centers if they lock down on that top line Carolina's winning the game no question I'm waiting for a statement game out of the Jets because I think they've been playing the last two or three months loosey-goosey like they really are kind of just checked out circling the the first round of the playoffs is with the time they're going to wake up but I think Paul Maurice is, is a smart guy in the sense where he, he he's well aware of how his team's playing I think they need one game like this and this is one they could get up for saying hey we're coming into Carolina they're playing really well right now. It could be real loud in that You're building. You're not storm surging on us, they're, they're saying. That's We're right. Not, no celebrations tonight. No, That's exactly <clears throat> it. They can start to use that as momentum, Dave. I love the contrarian <laughs> strategy. This is the strategies that are going to win you some money in, in whatever you're playing. So I really think the Jets, we're waiting for the statement game. A guy like Kevin Hayes could be big in these type of games. He's more familiar with the Eastern style of play. I like stuff like that. I would take a flyer. Jets squeaking this out, maybe like a 3-2 type setting. What about, speaking of the storm surge, the ringleader has been Justin Williams, who has a ton of playoff experience, will be really valuable. If they make the playoffs, I'm excited to take him in some DFS contests, by the way, in those first-round matchups. But Justin Williams, is he a must-add? Because he has stuck with Niederreiter and Ajo pretty much since that trade happened a couple of weeks ago. If shots on goal is one of your primary categories in fantasy, he is a must-own asset. And I would go as far as say as you would drop a player that played really well for you this year. If he's not shooting the puck, get Justin Williams in, and he's going to inflate those categories big time for you. You know, everyone talks about, oh, Joe Thornton, Roberto Luongo, these guys who are old and can still play. Justin Williams is 37 years old. He's playing with these young guys. He's playing great. And let's not forget, he was on the Hurricanes the last time they made the playoffs and, you know, won the Stanley Cup 10, 12 seasons ago. So he knows what it's like. He's been there. He's a perfect guy they could need and they need in the locker room on the ice. He's been playing great. I think he has a renewed sense of energy, youthfulness, and he's contributing offensively too. It's disappointing, though, to see Michael Furland injured again. He's been in and out of the lineup, got injured in the fight the other day. I mean, come on, let's clean things up here. Let's get real for the playoffs. <laughs> Michael Furland needs to be in that lineup. He could be a difference maker, and if he's banged up because of a you know stupid fight, I think that's a, a shame for the Hurricanes. I'm, I'm going to take the, the other route on this one and say I like the player a little bit unleashed like that, a little <laughs> off the rails. I, I love players. I just think that that's better for, for the entertainment standpoint in general, and hey, as long as he comes back, for, you know, in the next couple of games here, I'm fine with it. But hey, if he's out until the playoffs, you're right. You, you gotta, you gotta get smart and pick your battles there. So before we get to the Saturday slate, one team that I think we could touch on and one line we can touch on. So the Anaheim Ducks are playing a little bit better, a little bit more competitively lately, and they have a nice little line going with Silverberg and Raquel on the same line. Both of those guys jump back into our top 200 this week, and the Ducks have a bunch of home games coming up, including this one at home against the Canadians, who are on second of a back-to-back. Some of the goals that they've connected on this past week, total highlight, real-worthy goals. Even Troy Terry's been playing well for them. Uh, 
nice product out of Denver University there. And, and some of those, like the chemistry that they have right now, I think this, this coaching change with the GM being the coach has really worked out in terms of guys elevating their game. And now that John Gibson's back, I mean, this team down the stretch with John Gibson and Ryan Miller, one of the most underrated tandems. You, you like I've literally had people in the office come up to me and say, "Am I picking up John Gibson this week?" And for me, it, it like after seeing how bad the Ducks have been this year, it's hard to recommend that. But he's been playing well since he came back from injury. Yeah, you know, he had three starts he's made. Two of them he won. The only one he didn't win, I think he allowed two goals in 12 seconds in the final minute there. So, yeah, you know, that's going to happen. But he's played really well besides that stretch. And like you said, the Ducks are finally scoring. You know, they're scoring four goals a game. So it's kind of like I'll take these guys while they're hot now. And, yeah, Troy Terry, I think he had three assists. He's been playing really well. His price is actually pretty low, too, all things considered. So I think you kind of have to look at the Ducks a little bit more seriously now than, you know, we would have a few weeks or months ago even. I know how you know that John Gibson lost that game because you sent me the screenshot, Dave, of uh, you were you were placing pretty well in a FanDuel contest. Uh, I woke up, checked the box score. I uh, just had to laugh at your screenshot there because you were in the money, and then all of a sudden you finished in your last place. So I had Tarasenko. I had O'Reilly. I had, I had all three of those guys in line. They connected for a two or three goals. I said, we're going to go with the cheapest <laughs> goalie, John Gibson. I'm a minute away from some, some money, and what happens? 12 seconds of my life that I'll <laughs> never get back. And in, in addition to the home-heavy schedule that I mentioned for the Ducks, they are in that top 10 in terms of the strength of schedule playing to their favor. So that And this team, I mean, this is not the Ottawa Senators that is a complete train wreck. This is a team with a lot of decent young players. They're playing Getzlaff on a separate line, separate power play, which is kind of weird. But between Troy Terry, Sam Steele, another rookie, is actually the guy centering that line with Silverberg and Raquel probably going to be centering that line down the stretch of the season. These are guys with a lot to prove. Comtois coming back next year. All of a sudden, this team could be back in the playoffs. Yeah, for keeper leagues, like this is a team you have to keep an eye on. Let's turn it to Saturday. Right off the bat, Sabres at Avalanche. I mean, two teams that have just are totally shot. Uh, High-end forwards there, but not a, lot, not a lot else going on. Is it time where you look at Varlamov, who's been playing pretty well like stats-wise recently, and say, I- I'm cutting the cord with this one? I have a little bit of faith left in Varlamov, just his ability in any given stretch to take over a game. I mean, Varlamov, uh, I trust him a lot more than I do the Sabres goalies. I think the Avalanche will probably squeak this game out just to keep themselves in contention. Mm-hmm. Uh, for this game, though, yeah, I'm just looking at compared to... I, I went back and looked since late, late uh, November... These two teams are in the bottom five in the NHL. These are two of the hottest starting teams in the league, Colorado and Buffalo. Bottom five in the NHL since around Thanksgiving. How about that? Yes, you know one would have saw this coming back then when these two teams both looked like they were going to fly into the playoffs. But who do you, I'm just I'm just wondering from you guys, who do you think if you had to take, let's say, you know, a forward or two in this game that you say they're going to have a breakout game? Who 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 are you taking? Michael, I don't even have to think about it. I mean, to me, I think uh, I'm looking at the defenseman. I like Brandon Montour. He scored a couple of goals since that trade. He's bringing a little life to that team. Buffalo lost that game against Chicago, but they were competitive. They scored three goals in like three and a half minutes in that span. So I still like uh, what he's brought to the table. But the forward group for Buffalo, they're a one-line team. Colorado, it's weird. Colorado broke up their lines. Then they were playing better. Now they put them back together, and now they're not playing well. So break them up again. What's going on? That's that's why I don't trust this team. If they can break up that line, they start playing better, and then they put that line back together, even though they, they were playing better. Like, 
what is that? What's the need for a move like Where's that? Where's the logic there? Definitely questionable to say the least. Uh, so the Blues play the Sharks and another early game on Saturday. This is an interesting one if you're playing early DFS uh, slate. So Braden Shen, obviously lineup lock at this point. Uh, St. Louis has got five players in the top 100 overall. Is there anybody that you're looking at from the Sharks standpoint? Martin Jones playing a little bit better lately. Yeah, first of all, I would say I actually would bench the Blues goalie in this one because I think the Sharks may actually light them up tomorrow. Uh, it's an early afternoon game. I know the Blues are on the California thing. But um, as far as San Jose, I mean, we still don't know what's up with Evander Kane, right? He might be back, and if he's back, I want him in there immediately for everything he does. Um, if not, I mean, we'll have to see. But for me, he's a guy that I would take tomorrow if he's playing because he does it all. I like Gus Nyquist in this one. He scored a goal in their last game, looked a lot better. Jumbo Joe scored in that game too. I think their depth is going to shine through a little bit brighter now that maybe Pavelski is going to rest more. Couture is going to rest more down the stretch here. Burns might get his ice time scaled back a little bit if you can even fathom that. So I look at those depth guys as some value on the slate, especially a Saturday contest when you need to cherry pick those those depth guys. I think another lineup lock season long or DFS is Tomas Hurdle, who reached 30 goals. Uh, big accomplishment for him for a guy who's been injury plagued throughout his career. Hurdle has been a great story. He was a, one of those guys, one of the many preseason sleeper picks that we hit on between Timo Meyer. Hurdle, DeBrusque, we were on, we were on Pulak. There were a bunch of them. So we'll tap, you know, give ourselves a pat on the back, back for that. So we let's turn it back to Koskinen here. The Oilers play the Leafs on Saturday. And it's just like what we were saying about Brian Elliott earlier in the program where you can advocate for picking this guy up, but don't throw him out there to the Wolves. So this game for Koskinen has a very low value for me. I think with Mitch Marner playing as well as he has been lately, this one could get away from the Oilers. So I really, and even Zach Cassian, this one as hot as he's been, that would that might be the only player from the Oilers I have in my lineup if it's Frederick Anderson starting for Toronto. I would ride the hot hand with Cassian, but I don't. I agree that. I mean, I know it's a remake, a rematch from that game against Toronto uh, a few days ago, but uh, that game did not end well. I actually thought the Oilers had some against the grain value in that game, and I'm not trusting them in this matchup at all. I wouldn't trust uh, Koskinen, and especially the only thing is it's Saturday, so if you're in a Yahoo or whatever a matchup and you need to win, you might need wins, so mm-hmm. you might have to throw him in Saturday or Sunday. But there's only a few games Sunday, so it's a depend. It's a case by case thing. But I would say tomorrow is not the day to start him if you don't have to. And down the stretch, what's the rationale for picking either Tavares or Matthews? I personally like Tavares just because, first of all, the guy doesn't get hurt. Matthews has, you know, he can get hurt. He, he's, he assists on everything. He scores. He's pretty much done everything we thought he would do and knew he would do. And I think he's just been more consistent this season than Matthews. That's it. I, the way I look at Matthews is like he's <clears throat> boomer bust on his slate. Like he'll have three points or nothing. But then Tavares, so I'll... No matter what, he's going to have a goal, all the time. assist, a couple shots, a block. Like it's it's more consistent in DFS. And as we look at the scope of the entire league and the line stability and everything that goes along with that, I mean, other than like maybe the Kucherov point line, there has been no more consistent elite line, and we're, we're seeing a splash of it now for Zach Hyman. Mm-hmm. But it has been Hyman with Tavares and Marner pretty much all season, which speaks to that line stability and, of course, the stability of each of those elite players. It does. The only thing I'm waiting on for the Leafs is their back end. It depends. Jake Gardner's out with a back injury, so keep an eye on that. And Morgan Riley would be the really only option that you can cherry pick in DFS in season long to get production right now. So a couple other injury notes for these Saturday games uh, involve the Red Wings and, of course, 
course, the Philadelphia Flyers. So for the Red Wings, Dylan Larkin has a back injury. You think they're pro- mm. they might shut him down. I mean, there's also Mike Green's out for the season with that same virus that he was out with uh, earlier in the year. I just don't see why, if, if you're Detroit, what's the point of bringing a guy with a back injury? I mean, it's a back injury. Those things can flare up at any point. What's the rationale on bringing him back? They have nothing to play for except Jack Hughes. So it's better if Larkin, 71, is out of the lineup anyway. Yeah, I would say there's no need to have him at all the rest of the season. You mentioned all the reasons. It's tough because he, when he's playing, he plays well and he does stuff. But, you know, it helps a guy like Athanasiu who, you know, he can pick up more ice time, you know, more time on the power play, whatever, you know, and get more points. So if, if I'm Detroit, Larkin's not playing a and game the rest of the Philip way. Philip Ronick is a player, Pete, that you and I like a lot, too. He played 27 minutes in their last game. So you're just seeing his ice time go up, up, and up with Green out. That is a player you've got to have in your lineup on a slate. And he's been racking up assists recently, power play points over the past 10 games or so. So it's been a big sample size now with Green out. He's clearly the power play quarterback. We threw him into the top 50 defenseman rankings and also at number 200 in our top 200 this week. So maybe take a flyer on him and hit the matchups. Once again, don't throw him out there maybe on Saturday against the Tampa Bay Lightning on the road. But moving forward, Detroit, uh, tough schedule, but... Uh, any matchups that are favorable, he has a chance to get you a power play point. And goalie news alert, Carter Hart has resumed skating. He said he feels good to go. It will be Brian Elliott on Saturday against the Islanders who have looked a little off lately. Am I? Should I be dropping Brian Elliott in season long, Dave? Well, here's the thing. You talk about go- not throwing goalies out there to the Wolves. What did we do the other day? We put Elliott up in the rankings a little bit and got hammered on Twitter because people see, played against the Capsules at three goals in a minute or something. And, you know, you guys got to know, you, you can't start him if he's playing, you know, in Washington or against Tampa. So yeah. I, I'm not saying I'm not dropping Elliott right away because he's played well besides that start. But um, it's encouraging news for the Carter Hart owners, especially if, you know, the Flyers, they're still in it. So Hart will definitely play a role if he's healthy. Once again, though, how things change. I mean, one one afternoon, we all like him. Not necessarily in that game, but we all like him. Then we find out Carter Hart is nearing a return from injury, and then we put Hart ahead of him in the rankings, and we're all dropping Brian Elliott. So that's about how the cookie crumbled there. Jake Voracek will be back for that game Saturday. I do like the Flyers appeal in that one. I will be starting Elliott in my season-long leagues for those that are concerned. And a guy to spend up for. I was looking, Sean Couturier is like, top five or top 10 in the NHL in scoring since early January Mm -hmm. playing largely had two points in garbage time against the caps on Wednesday, but he's been rolling. And with Jacob Voracek coming back, that's been the elite duo that has helped bring the flyers back into contention. And then my favorite game on the slate here, penguins at blue jackets who will be on the second leg of a head to head penguins totally dominated that one. I had the Matt Murray and net on my DFS slate for Thursday. I see the Penguins taking that one too and burying this Blue Jackets team. What is go- what is going on with the Blue Jackets? They didn't even dress Sergei Bobrovsky in the game. You're, I know it's on the road in Pittsburgh, but what if it's a game you need to win? You have a tough you schedule. You, have, you now you have a three goalie rotation. You don't even play Bobrovsky in this game. That goal that Bukestad scored was a little sneaky shot. Bobrovsky would have stopped that goal, not Corpusalo or Keith Kincaid. I mean, this is. This is getting a little ridiculous. And Columbus has a tough schedule. So uh, they're at risk of not making the playoffs, which you kind of called. You said there was a chance they would miss the playoffs. I thought you were crazy. I I saw people on Twitter yesterday saying, oh, they're starting Corpus Salo because they need to see what they have for next season. I'm I'm thinking to myself, next season, these guys, the front office, they're – 
we're talking about next season here, Dave. Next season, when they got Matt DeShane, when they got Ryan Dezingle, when they have Artemi Panarin, when they have Sergei Barossi, all those guys are out. They're, they're not going to be there next season. So Jonas Corposalo, without them next season, are you kidding me? This guy would be the worst goalie by stats in the NHL. But here's the thing about that. You remember before that, yesterday, they had Keith Kincaid in the starters net. So they're like, is Tortorella, what are they even doing? Like trying to throw teams off? I mean, Bobrovsky gives you the best chance to win and you're not even going to dress him against a, a team you need points against? Right. If they're, if they're using mind games on Keith Kincaid to try and psych out the Pittsburgh Penguins three-time cup winner in the last <laughs> however long, that is sad. And I saw someone said, like, when we thought Kincaid might start, like, oh, he has great splits against the Penguins from when he was with the Devils. Uh, who who, who cares? cares? No one looks at that. doesn't matter. What that is was that? so funny. So, anyway, the for the Blue Jackets, uh, the Penguins could feast on them either way. But if Chris Letang comes back, could get even worse. I think we all lean towards the Penguins in this game. And then Jared McCann, notable uh, position change. He's been playing left wing with Gensel and Crosby. He just gained left wing eligibility in Yahoo leagues. So he's now center left wing. We picked him up this morning. He's still only like 5% owned, and he has five points, I think, over his past five games, two multi-point games, another assist against the Jackets on Thursday. We have Bugstad and McCann on that team, so so obviously we're a little high on Pittsburgh down the stretch here. We I like actually have trade. both of those yeah. guys also. I picked up McCann about five minutes before we recorded this. <laughs> we're recording this, so I'm happy with that decision. And again, Pittsburgh has the schedule on its side this week and next, so that's significant. And then another one, last game of the night, Blackhawks at Stars. I know we touched on the Stars a little bit earlier. Are you down on Corey Crawford right now? Because I was a little, I know he had a bad game the other day, gave up four goals again last night in the win, but to see him drop out of our top 200 as a result of you dropping him out of your top 25 goalie rankings, I was just... Uh, maybe give him a little more slack. He's only played two or three games. Yeah, you know, with me, I'm actually surprised he even returned this season. I thought as soon as the first concussion happened, he was just going to retire, like, career over because he's had these injuries before. But, he's yeah, you said he's only been back for a couple of games, but he's allowed 13 goals in them. I know the Blackhawks' defense isn't the greatest, but really, why are you going to throw this guy out if, you know, he's he's not they're not playing for anything. The Blackhawks aren't making the playoffs. They may not even start him. See what you have in Colin Delia. You know, I mean, it's not, he's not worth a guy that – he's not a guy I want to have down the stretch. That's a good point about Delia because they do need to see what they have there for next season. And with Corey Crawford's injury history, that's a player you just never know on. I, I will say that I would like to take a flyer on him. I believe with Duncan Keith producing, with Eric Gustafson continuing to produce, with Taze and Kane being separated, I think they do have some against-the-grain value for the rest of the season. And I would, if I really needed a goalie start, I would spot start Corey Crawford. And we mentioned Dylan Strom earlier. I checked in on his totals with the Blackhawks, 40 points in 43 games. How mm. valuable is this guy going to be entering next year as a keeper league asset? He has stuck with uh, Dabrinkit and playing really, really well. That was the, maybe the most underrated trade of the season. Probably. I was just going to say, picking up him and Dabrinkit and maybe round six and seven is my patented move for next year. I'll just say one more goalie that I'm looking at, Golden Knights Canucks tomorrow. I think the Canucks are going to actually win this game. And Markstrom, should he start, he's got really good home splits. He's not owned in very many leagues. He's going to be cheap if you're doing DFS. And I think the Canucks have 10 of 14 at home, and Markstrom plays really well. Canucks, they're still in it a little bit, but, you know, Demko's going to play. He played last night. Um, but I think Markstrom's going to start, and I think he's a guy I would pick up the rest of the way. Yeah, the Demko experiment didn't go so well. I mean, they 
he was injured for a while. Now they're throwing him in there when the team can't score. It's just, uh, what's the point at this point? Ride Markstrom the rest of the way. He's a workhorse, kind of like Koskinen, who could have some sneaky value down the stretch. And Vancouver has 10 home games left, most in the NHL. So that is next level stuff from you, Dave. Yeah, I say, look, you got to look at these things if you want to win and make that cash. So, well, great having you on, Dave. Finally got you out of that Moe's restaurant on 6th <laughs> Avenue. That's your favorite Mexican spot, but feel like you go there a little too much. You maybe got to come on the show a little more often. Well, I appreciate you guys last week giving me the birthday shout-out and then coming to have lunch with me at Moe's on my birthday. So that was nice of you guys. And seeing you at the Caps-Rangers game, or no, Habs-Rangers game on Friday night. I know you also ran into Mark Bergevin, which was hilarious, getting popcorn in the press box. So That's a funny story. I'm, I'm getting some popcorn in the press box, and who, who do I run into? The Canadian's general manager. I, I run down, I give Rob popcorn. I saved him probably like 15 bucks, but... You know that my night was made from that point on. I had never, I had never had a more generous act of random kindness happen than getting Madison Square Garden press box popcorn delivered personally to my upper deck nosebleed garbage seats from Dave Satriano. It's what the goalie master does. Well, it, we've we've had a good time this year hitting up all these Mexican spots in the area. Right? Chipotle, Dos Toros. We even have this little taco joint in Times Square that we love. It's it's become a big part of our relationship, the three of us. Los Tacos number one, but you hate it, Dave. And you're like the king of the quesadillas and the tacos and the burritos. I wouldn't say I hate it. I'm not a cilantro fan, so they got... Yeah, it's not Just my because favorite. you choke if on I, the order. Every time I see you order and you choke, you forget to tell them every right. time. It's, it's not their fault. It's not in my power Don't blame them for, for putting cilantro on when you're like, oh, give me everything on it. Well, let's. I'll wrap this thing up by saying I think Chipotle is getting a little bit more momentum in my no. life right whoa, now. Whoa, whoa. No, I think that no. the, uh, the tacos Cold have take. been good. <laughs> They've turned it around from a, from that slip up a couple of years ago. So uh, we'll end on that note. Great to have you on the show again. Dave Satriano. Follow him on Twitter at David Satriano. And see him on FanDuel. His screen name is the Goalie Master. So Yeah, hopefully uh, I'll finish higher than 92nd next time. Scroll down to the bottom of the standings to see, to see Dave's username on there. But thank you guys for listening. Another great show of NHL Fantasy on Ice. Make sure to stream wherever you get it. Spotify, Stitcher, and subscribe on iTunes. Rate and review R&R. That's what everybody should do. Show us some support. I uh, hope you're enjoying the show and hit us up with any last minute questions. David Satriano, NHL Reese, NHL Jensen signing off here on NHL Fantasy on Ice. We'll talk to you again next week. <laughs>